0: Dark Tides is a show made for an adult audience. Featuring scenes of graphic or implied violence, mature themes, horror, gore, and intense scenes. Viewer discretion is advised. For full content warnings on each episode of this coming arc, check the episode's description.
1: Welcome listeners to Dark Tides, a weekly paranormal actual play podcast. I'm your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lyddon. With me are Chest Lyddon and BJ Ingate. Hi guys.
0: Oh, bon Hello. Hello. Oh, oh.
2: Hello. My name is BJ Ingate. I oh. play Alistair Stern, a 21-year-old emo with a short fuse and a fondness for chocolate milk. He works for the Tear Society. What do they do? surely you know by now if not mostly go argue. back to the start of the first, second season
0: Mo- yeah mostly argue a yeah a bunch of gamers really that's the real that's the real thing here hello my name's chester Lydon. you know me we're friends i'm the guy oh. that hangs out the front of your house at night yeah. remember when i went to your birthday party yeah it was a good time nice cake i play what you o- don't remember smart. you don't remember oh, he was there that's weird I talked to your sister, I talked to your brother, didn't talk to your dad much. He doesn't come around much anymore, does he? <laughs> weird. Anyway, I play Ernest March, once a park ranger the in port staples, running from his personal demons. Now he is driven by the events of the past to move further up and further into the mysteries of the world as a watchman against the ever-changing tides. And I also play... <laughs> We're not doing doubles. <laughs> Hold
2: on, where is he? Where I play Randy, Randy as well. Randy Savage. Who needs no introduction. Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't know where he's introduced. I don't even know if he has an intro. Anyway. You also play other characters, but fun- fundamentally
0: Ernest and Alistair. Fundamentally, we're just bros. Yeah. We're just out here having a good time. But not fundamentalists. Yeah. No. Funda- I am. Fundamentally, I disagree with the concept no. of
1: fundamentalism. I don't believe in isms. I agree. A man shouldn't believe in an ism. He should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon. (laughs) I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. He was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I still have to bum rides off of people. Thank you, Aubrey. (laughs) Anyway, also, I just need to point out, in
2: case you hear it, uh, my chair that I'm currently sitting on, I've had for many years. It's always been silent. As soon as we went into lockdown and started having to record episodes... On Zoom or over over the internet, we're using Discord. Uh, it started squeaking, and so it squeaks now. It never used to do that until I needed it to be silent. Man, what? Well, there you go. I? There's a fun fact for
1: listeners, you, listeners. Go go to our Patreon Thank page, you. give us money, support the show, so we can buy Bj a new chair. I have a new chair. It was a birthday <laughs> present. The Patreons didn't buy it for me, although a few of you have legitimately. Uh, Offered to give us money for chairs. Uh, one particular patron who was extremely lovely said that he wanted to buy uh, Chester and I new chairs and not VJ because he wanted to see what VJ's <laughs> reaction would be. That was some time
0: ago. Um, <laughs> I won't name names so that no one will get that. in trouble on our oh, Discord. That would be so good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I'm I'm still on the the old chair. This chair was outside for a very long time. It's comfortable though. That's all right. It doesn't squeak, which is the main thing. Yeah. Ha, huh, BJ. Anyway, my fellow gamers. I, I, I must say, if, if somebody
2: bought you both chairs and not me, I would not be mad. I would just be very proud of somebody
1: who has the same sense of humour that we do. <laughs> I think that's the only kind of people that listen to this show. I don't know that you would be able to stand it if you <laughs> yeah, didn't probably. think the things that we find funny are funny. That's very true. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, I have a very quick little recommendation for you all. Now, I don't normally uh, recommend things that are already probably in people's feeds of stuff. But if you've got Netflix, check out um, The Way of the House Husband. It is like a Netflix original anime. And it has the uh, cheapest looking animation I think I've ever seen. YouTube animators animation have more budget behind it than this show, despite being made by Netflix. But it's fantastic. It's about a guy who's like used to be a Yakuza hitman in Japan called the Immortal Dragon, who's like famed for killing heaps of mafia people all at once, who is now retired uh, and is a stay at home husband. And so it's all about him just doing normal, like stay at home wife esque tasks and house cleaning and buying groceries and cooking and stuff, but with the intensity of a Yakuza hitman. And it's incredible. It's like it's so funny. <laughs> And he goes to, like, um, that the Housewives so volleyball team and all this sort of stuff, and he's, like, shopping for deals with coupons <laughs> and all of these other sort of things. It's really uh, quite fun. I will have to watch that when I finish Psyche King. Okay. Now, does anyone have fun facts? Let's... We're just starting. no. Nah. This, yeah. this, this, this arc isn't arc fun. Is this, fun. This arc is not fun. No, I did have a conversation with Chess this morning. I was like, hey, so there's this thing that I'm thinking about putting into today's episode do you think that's a bit too much? Do you think it's going to gross people out a bit too much? And Chester's like, ah, let's just maybe hint at it and if it comes up, it comes up. But let's not be too on the nose about this because <laughs> it might actually put a few listeners off. That's what we want.
2: I'll, I'll point out that Chester's the one that's given us uh, Feed the Machine.
0: Chester's the one that's given us Feed the Machine. Yeah, my, my, I think I might be a bit <laughs> If he thinks
1: it's too much. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't want to traumatize people and I'm aware that like people we know listen to the show. Yeah, and people we and know I don't want, didn't listen I don't to want feed like art to come up to me and go like I'm really disappointed at what you put in the show or I'm just <laughs> 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 or your mum either. I don't want her to fall off a ladder so, like she nearly did last time <laughs> just listening to the show. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. Uh, she had she was listening to it while she was driving at night once. She had to stop it because she was too scared. Did she have to get um, out so and like just change to clarify, a tire or something?
0: I, after listening
2: to <laughs> Oh, she had a stick under the car and it freaked her out because she thought it was the podcast Maybe and then she turned the podcast off and there was still a striking sound. <laughs> She's like, what is that? Uh, so just to be clear, Aubrey, uh, you're fine with traumatising people that you don't know, but you don't want to traumatise people that might uh, create a negative effect
1: on your no, life if they see you in person. I just... Uh, the...
2: No, I'm pretty sure that's what <laughs> yeah, I have. Pretty much.
1: It's more that I don't. I can't foresee any repercussions coming from strangers being traumatized. But just say that I told you to do it. <laughs> you, that's how I've gotten out of most of the scrapes. Anyway. And, everyone, and
0: everyone else is just like, oh, well, it's just Chester. No, it's just Chester. Chester can do no wrong. I have gotten rid Chester's I've gotten the favorite out of child. every problem. like Because, oh, it's just Chester. What's he going to do?
1: The air in the dead pines is cold. The wind rolls and tosses through the branches, making them creak and shudder. Randy's breath plumes before him as he draws each stinging breath into his lungs. He's alone. His feet move quietly through the carpet of fallen nettles. He keeps both hands on his 9mm, finger laid along the side. His eyes move between the ever-shifting trees and the trail of spattered blood and drag marks that he's following. What is Randy thinking?
2: Uh, Randy. You're on your own, Randy. It's... it's not good. It's, uh... (coughs) It's just... (laughs) It's not quite the holiday that I had in mind. (laughs) Oh, boy. Alright. You're okay, Randy. You're alright. You'll find them.
1: You gotta bring them back, Randy. Bring them back. But Randy roll a investigation check for me. (laughs) It's a two! Alright, um the trail's just gone. It just stopped. (laughs) Damn it.
2: Uh, the trail's disappeared almost like it was vanished
1: from my existence. Uh uh, okay. That's not good. Randy, as you stare down at the disappearing trail of blood and scuff marks in the undergrowth, you hear a scuffle behind you. And as you turn your head, you catch a glimpse of something very tall and painfully thin slip behind a clump of trees. As you turn to catch that movement, You sense a similar movement to your left, and as you turn in that direction, something jumps slightly into the branches of a tree to your left and vanishes.
2: Aubrey, I would like to look up, please, because if the trail that was on the ground has disappeared, it may have been whisked into the air, and then also I know that they can climb trees because that's how Ernest was attacked. So I'd like to look up. Right? Yeah, wrong. Is that a separate investigation? Mm -hmm. Separate check. Yep.
1: That's a four, wow! Um, it is too hard to tell. You have your torch, but the the branches are moving too much. And honestly, it is hard to tell what is a branch, what might be an arm, what is spreading tendrils of the tree and what could be horns. Right, what does Randy want to do? All right.
2: Well, I guess I guess this is it Randy, I guess you're on your own. All right, all right, you show yourself. Come on, you're gonna, you're gonna, stay, in, you're gonna stay in the shadows. You gotta come out fight, come on. Fight, come on. Come on, fight.
1: Come on. Uh, Randy, as you were kind of shouting, muttering, this challenge into the darkness you hear your own voice echoed back to you but it's not your words
2: he thinks he's strong but is he strong enough
1: and then in Ernest's voice from behind you you hear another
0: can he endure the change can he eat what he has to eat You know Randy doesn't like riddles. Come on,
1: show yourself. Uh, Make another perception check.
2: You're not afraid of me, are you?
1: Huh? It's an eight. All right. Uh, With an eight, as you kind of spin to catch the last voice, you pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. It is a little too far away for your torch to catch all of it, but at first you mistake it for one of the dead pines. It's tall and thin, You see uh, shaggy, matted fur. You see limbs that are extremely long, almost with nothing but bone to them. And you see antlers spreading out like a mass of branches above, and you catch the glimpse of orange eyes. And can you take a d4 of stress damage? Yes, please.
2: I would love to. Uh, Randy takes two, which means his total is now up to five. Uh, Okay, I am going to... uh, I think Randy would probably... Yeah, no. Uh, I'm going to tuck my shotgun under my left arm and pull out my 9mm because it's a pistol, so it would have a a longer effective range than a shotgun. Uh, And I would like to fire... A bullet towards the creature. Mm -hmm. So I make an attack roll. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a nine.
1: Nine hits. That's 11 damage Aubrey. Oh okay. Um, Yeah you're pretty sure you get it either in the head or the chest. It's quite hard to see because it sort of hunches its shoulders in the shadows. Um, But you hear it kind of cry out and recoil and um, climbs into another tree and vanishes amongst the branches but make a speed check for me, an opposed one. Nine. Ooh, okay. As you take this shot, you feel the shotgun under your arm tugged backwards, and you spin on your heel, pulling the gun up again, and you, as the shotgun leaves your arm, you grab for it, and now you are holding the butt end of it and a wendigo is holding the other and its face is a foot from you you can see this face is an inhuman monstrosity it is human eyes but the face is angular and pointed like a deer's muzzle it is mostly bone and seemingly matted rotting fur It seems like a dead thing. Okay. Its jaw is open with sharp teeth, unlike a deer's. As you stand frozen, you can see a mixture of blood and drool running from the jaws, and it drops onto the barrel of the gun and slides down to your fingers. Take another deforestress
2: damage. Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> I wasn't expecting That's for three it to get so close so quickly. Okay, uh, it must have rolled very
2: well. Okay, so uh, Randy kind of shifts his hand on the on the shotgun so that his hand is now on the trigger of the shotgun, and he brings the pistol up as well. So he's now effectively pointing two guns at mm-hmm. it, even though it's holding the other end of the, the shotgun. He's like, "Hey there, Smiley." Good to see you face to face.
1: The head sort of tilts to one side and then the other. And even though there's no flesh around the nostrils to flare, you can hear the intake of breath as it scents the air around you. In a strained voice that's neither Ernest nor Randy, it says, You want to be part of the pack?
2: I want to find my friends.
1: There are no friends. There is predator and there is prey. Are you prey?
2: I understand you need to eat, but the people I look after are off limits.
1: We don't need to eat. We We don't don't hunt for survival.
2: What do you take them for then?
1: for sport Mm. it is the order it is the way of nature
2: you gonna let go of my shotgun now huh
1: it moves its face in even closer to you and it grips the gun's barrel tighter squeezing it you can hear the creak of the metal as it's put under stress And you hear the voice, so close now. The tide is rising. You are either prey or you are predator. Randy is not prey. shots echo out into the night we return up the hill through the dead pines to the town of Ridge. the night is growing late and just about every person in town is sequestered away in the town library in this stone hall tier operatives have set up tables and chairs some are making pots of tea or coffee there is a hubbub of arguing, complaining grumbling, speculating from the townspeople as uh, some of them are demanding to know what's going on, others seem content to just wait because they have heard the shots coming from outside and some of the howls Uh, it is a very uneasy atmosphere into which Ernest and Alistair step
0: realising that they have lost Randy Heath begins striding towards the, the barricaded door of the library, picking up his bloodied uh, Warhammer as he goes, and he shouts out, Puck, Alistair, with me. Darnell, where are you? He's calling out, looking for Darnell. He claps on the side of one of the tier operatives as he goes, Jonathan, you're in charge while I'm gone. Uh, Darnell is nowhere to be seen. He's, he's like fumbling for a radio. He's like, Someone get Darnell! as he starts to push open Heath, the door. Heath. What? Heath. We just, just
2: a second. No, I, I know we got to go, but just first and he kind of steps in closer to lower his voice we have a whole building full of people who are panicked and don't know what they're doing um, I think we should, we should give them something before we leave because I don't want them trying to break out while we're gone because that just could just cause another problem I've got it
1: Puck is like slides in front of the two of you He's like, I think Alistair should do his tight five a quick comedy set set everyone's mind to rest why are you looking at me like that I've heard you practicing Alistair you're good well you're not thank you I appreciate (laughs) it
2: I don't think yep thanks great Uh, yeah I I don't know I think we should tell them that the town's under attack uh, by an unknown quantity of uh, tell them whatever and that they have to stay here in safety we're going out to find one of our people three of our people and that we'll get them out as soon as possible. (sighs) Yeah. I'm just just worried if we leave without addressing the situation with them, they might do something drastic and then we'll have a bigger problem here than we
1: do already if people start trying to leave. Puck uh, scratches her head. She's taken her beanie off even though it's cold if she's inside and she addresses herself more to Heath Sir
0: permission to stay behind I have an idea alright well he's like pushing open the door as he's saying this like someone can address them otherwise I'll have two men's families to call in the morning I'm going now as he's pushing open the door I was like um, Alistair are you coming or are you staying um, for a moment Alistair you're standing between
1: the two of them
2: Alistair is uh, keenly aware that he is under very, very strict instructions from the head of tier. that he is a strategist and um, consultant on this mission. He's not, he's not a field operative, uh, and that's definitely Puck's job, um, and although he really wants to come, he's trying to figure out how much trouble he's going to get in if he kind of takes over Puck's role and also abandons his station.
0: Heath pauses for a second on the like the cusp of going out and looks at the two of you. and he smiles and says, "The two of you take good care of him. I'll be back by morning." And he hefts the, the warhammer onto his shoulder and takes off at a run into the street.
2: Alistair follows.
0: Uh, as he's running, Heath is going to pull up his radio and start clicking through the channels. Darnell! Darnell, where are you? Uh, there comes
1: uh, a brief spasm of static before our voice breakthrough. through. Heath, I'm on my way.
0: All right, meet me at the second watchtower.
1: Second watchtower, okay.
0: Go. Pockets it and starts to hear footsteps behind him. Turns over his shoulder, sees Alistair. You can kind of see him smile in the dark. All right, we return to Ernest. Ernest is still standing in the library. He's like, okay, well, the action heroes have gone. Uh, (laughs) Puck
1: steps up to you. Uh, you can see that there is a new kind of determination in her face. She set her jaw. She says, um, so you are Ernest, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Haven't really been introduced. I'm Puck. My job is to stop Alistair from getting killed. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's usually your job too. Yeah, usually it is. Yes. We have a room full of panicking people and that's a ticking time bomb. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to lie to them. And I'm going to tell them that they're going to get airlifted out mm. straight away. Do you have any ideas of anything else I can tell them? Because
0: this is not my forte, but somebody's got to. Uh, scratches his nose and looks around. I can talk to them. Why don't we do it together? Okay right she leads the way
1: she threads her way through people um as she's going as she's going she picks up her bag and as you get to the stage there is a curtain that kind of separates the back of the stage and she steps behind it uh, are you going behind the st- the curtain with her mm-hmm. right as you get behind uh, the curtain you can see that she is rubbing her hand over her face uh, where there had been tattoos before and she's it looks to you almost like she's wiping them off as if they were just in marker or something and she's just rubbed them away mm-hmm. and she's pocketing things and as she reaches through her bag she pulls out a wig that's sort of a a light brown
0: wig about shoulder length and she starts putting it on yeah uh, as Urs is walking with her he's seeing her do this type of stuff and he mutters to her, X the L F stuff okay we'll do it by car at least then we have the actual means to back up the lie. Alright. Who are you gonna to pretend to be? Uh grins and says, I'm a park ranger.
1: she steps through the curtain onto the stage and she starts clapping her hands uh, quite loudly to get everyone's attention excuse me Uh, if everyone could just give me your attention for a second and I just need to address uh, everyone here hi my name is Samantha
0: Um... (laughs) Puck then like drafts an eye over to Ernest as he steps up with her and he now has a beard that goes down to like his like start of his ribs which makes him look like 20 years older she like <laughs> pauses her eyes kind of like narrow
1: and then flicks back and goes uh, I'm a representative from the federal parks department I'm sure all of you are very scared I'm sure you're very confused but I really need to uh, enforce that this is a time for calm our job and you've already met several of our people our job here is to protect this town and its environment, its natural creatures from an invasive species. I have with me here one of the park rangers from our division. Uh, Until it is safe, we are going to be taking all of you out and down the mountain to uh, prepared locations as an evacuation. Now, I want to stress that we are well prepared for this and that there is no need to panic. Uh, You can see that people are sort of... Looking to her, there is a willingness to believe them being told that everything's going to be okay.
0: And this is going to step up, uh, a step or two in front of her, putting his hands behind his back, and he's going to speak out in a loud, clear, and commanding voice. We believe we are dealing with a pack of wolves, a large pack, quite possibly a group of coyotes. The tracks are very similar. They've moved into this area out of season. This is a once-in-a-million type of situation. We weren't expecting it. And uh, because of that, we'll be leaving, uh, moving you out by car in the morning. Yes,
1: we will be setting out in a small convoy. Unfortunately, we do not have as many vehicles as we would like, although we are being told that more are on the way. Uh, and we will start moving in small convoys, taking you down the mountain. Now, of course, if you do not want to leave, we will not force you. You are under no obligation, but it is our strong advice that you leave town, that you accept uh, our help, and that you will return when the crisis is averted.
0: Rooms have been reserved at the local inn, two towns over, for those who are willing to leave as well. like, darts an eye over to Parker's, like, "Mm, you can afford (laughs) that, and darts back to them. Now, we'll take questions. Heath is moving at a pretty incredible pace. And you think he's somehow using his vertigo ability. He's obviously tampering it a bit so that he's not leaving you behind. But he's taking these, like, huge steps. It's almost like jumping from each step to each. And he's landing with, like, a ballerina's amount of, light- lightness. Like, there is, like, no sound. It's like he's touching the ground just because he doesn't, like, completely... He's not completely able to fly, <laughs> so he's just... It's more of like a yeah. steering thing. Uh, I rolled to see
2: how Alistair's stamina's doing. He is really, really struggling to keep up, and he is kind of pretty much slowed to a walk at this point now and is breathing very heavily. Hey. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't keep up with you when you're moving that fast.
0: He slides to a stop and comes like comes back towards you, puts like a hand on your arm, and starts jogging with you, like keeping like. And he's using his vertigo ability to basically remove all of the weight from each step. He's like, "Come on, we've got to keep Thanks. going."
2: That's that's much better. Thank you.
1: Right, you can see now that there is a light on in the watchtower up the hill. These watchtowers are the more traditional. They're similar to the archipelago ones. The design is different. They, um, these are the kinds that you would have people in to keep an eye out for bushfires, uh, or forest fires in this sort of instance through the mountain range. There's not many in this area, and they are in fact largely disused. They're probably mostly just other hunting areas now. Yeah, they are. They are still technically owned by like the forestry department, but. Uh, they have no one
0: stationed in them. There's nothing in them currently, but there is a light on in this one. You can see a figure at the top. As you're running, Alistair, suddenly Heath just seems to like twist on his heels and puts his hand on your chest and s- like slides you to a stop. Whoa, 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 what's up? And you see him what's up? quite wide-eyed just looking at the ground. Uh, I'd like
1: to inspect the ground. That's a four it looks like Heath is staring at a mushroom. And you kinda of go, oh, there's a couple of mushrooms. And you kind of start to look, and as he points with a finger, you realize that your foot is almost inside a circle of mushrooms, a near-perfect circle. Now, Alistair, you would know, just from general head knowledge, you'd picked up somewhere that um, this is referred to, colloquially as a fairy circle. This is where there has once been a very large tree that has either fallen or been cut down. Uh, The ground has covered it again and there are mushrooms growing around the ring of the buried stump.
0: Okay, yep. And Heath has just stopped you from stepping in it. Okay. So there was a tree here? Heath is going to, to kneel down and brush a few leaves off some of the mushrooms and... He's going to get down all fours like it's a push-up and go really close to it and he's going to to whisper into it. Are you still there?
1: Uh, both of you make a paranormal knowledge check for me. Uh, 14. Four. Alice has never f- heard of this thing before. No. Uh, This is not so much for the knowledge, it's just the most relevant skill. Uh, Alistair, you do not catch this, but Heath, you catch the faintest sound of uh, gentle water flowing and the smells of spring, particularly of citrus and
0: early flowering plants. Heath hears this and whispers back again. Stay close. And he's going to jump up from the ground and look at you and say, don't disturb the mushrooms. And he's going to keep running towards the watchtower. Okay, I wasn't...
2: Heath, wait! (laughs) I was just going to run. Now, because Heath has forgotten him, running again (laughs) on his own. (laughs) Boat, like, stitches in both sides. You're quite close to the watchtower now. While Heath was doing that, because I feel like Alistair... With my four, I would have known that you know whatever he's communicating with, I I haven't got any idea of what's going on. Uh, so I, Alistair has uh, night vision goggles mm-hmm. that I, I wrote down in my equipment list. Yep, um, and they are infrared night vision goggles. So I believe BJ going into Nerd Town again. I believe there's two types of night vision goggles. There's the ones that semi uh, that Marty had in the first episode of. Um, What's the name? If you've listened to SolarScar. Which is where it amplifies any any light source that's there. Which means that they can work even when it's almost completely black. But there has to be some light. And if there is any strong light source that suddenly appears, you get blinded. Uh, And then the other type is infrared. Which means that it shines an infrared light that can't be seen by human eyes. And the camera picks up the light from the infrared signal and that's what you see. And so if then you get a torch flashed in your face, it doesn't blind you because you're still just looking at the screen. So Alistair has an infrared night vision uh, and I would like to make an investigation of the forest around us with my infrared goggles while
1: Heath is talking to the shrooms. Uh, Okay, yeah, make an investigation check. You can make it with advantage, I guess, because of that.
2: Uh, That's an eight. Okay.
1: Um, There is definitely a heat signature in the watchtower itself. As you look back towards town, you can kind of see distant glimmers from either buildings or um, potentially sort of the the very centre of town. As you look into the woods, you can see a few here and there, but to the best of your knowledge, they seem to be small ones or very far away. It's kind of hard to tell, but... You expect there are probably still some owls, some birds in the trees, these sort of things. But you don't pick up on anything big. For the moment, you would believe yourself to be safe.
2: Okay, cool. All
1: right, you make it to the watchtower. Does Heath use his powers to get them to the top faster?
0: Yeah. yeah he basically-, basically just grabs Alistair by the back of the collar and is like, take a deep breath and kicks off the ground. Yep. and just shoots them up onto the the watchtower. Yeah, it's a strange feeling, nice.
1: Alice, almost like being on a carnival ride where you are shot upwards and then suddenly your gravity returns and you have this terrible sensation for a moment like you're about to fall. But Heath has angled you to drop down onto the planks of the observation deck that runs right the way around this tiny little cabin. Uh, you can see that the light comes from a very small uh, electric lantern that is balanced on the railing that runs around and the shadowy, haggard figure
0: of Darnell is standing close by. Darnell, we've got two missing T operatives. Oh, that's that's bad. Two and a civilian. Well, sort of a civilian. Yeah,
1: my friend Randy. Well...
2: Well, I say my friend Randy.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we are most definitely dealing with wendigos and that is beyond bad that is wendigos are unlike the other members of the lycanthropy family they are formidable they are certainly formidable Say the least but they have less humanity If you take your average lycanthrope, say a werewolf or something along those lines, it's a curse that has been either passed down through blood or directly from a host. It almost never happens by choice. Some might seek it out by choice, but it's rare. It's a curse that people live with. Wendigos, that is something that is not always but usually chosen
2: but they do have some sense of
1: sentience right oh they are absolutely sentient and that is why they are dangerous
0: Heath goes to the Bastrait and like looks out across the forest that's what makes them worse than werewolves they're not beasts they're men
2: always yeah they, but, yeah. I guess that does mean we could communicate with them, though, right? in theory, but I'm not saying it'll work, I'm just saying that is another another
1: option that is open to us. Listen, young one, there's a reason why everyone knows about werewolves. there is a reason why everyone is. Aware of those stories, why there are movies made about them, books written about them. Yeah, I don't like where this story's going. Frightening as they may be, they can be romanced, they can be dressed up. There's a reason people don't talk about Wendigos. The fear is still too real, especially among those who should know. The descendants of those people who walked that land they know just how dangerous these things are and they are different. And a multitude of stories assumes survivors, right? It does. And not just that, but Mm. when you get stories of Wendigos, they are told by the people who don't believe them because the people who believe them know you should never talk about them and it's not the only things you should never name names have power more power than you realize to name something can in some creatures be to alert it to your presence to give it power over you even in some cases
0: now now is not the time no can they transform I I know the mythology is loose but do they have a human form? If so, then I have to interview everyone I currently have in that library. Every single one of them could be a danger to my men. Oh no. The I didn't I didn't know that was
1: no, something they could do. Because I know they a... can mimic voices, but... No, no. Uh, a wendigo ceases to be a human by what they have done. What they've chosen to become and some do it out of desperation but not all. Some choose it some seek it and they are human but the human in them dies in time. It becomes nothing more than a shell a
0: a disguise they wear to hide what's really underneath But being human and looking human are two separate things. Can they still hold a human form? Yes It starts looking back at the library They can? But we don't know this for certain,
1: we don't have any first-hand records. There are no interviews. Even with my kind, interviews okay. are rare. We don't know enough. But your men should at least know what they're possibly looking at. You might have a mole with the survivors. Alster called it into pack.
2: Alistair's going to step outside onto the railing um, and he's going to activate his communicator. He's going to call out. Puck, this is Alistair. Come in. There is a slight gap of
1: static and then her voice. Yep, you got me. Are you alone? Um, I can be. Hold on. Uh, You hear her shuffling away. Yep. Clear. Yeah, hey, um...
2: We're fine, but we may have a complication. Mm -hmm. This is not confirmed. It's not... Don't worry about it, but just something you should keep in mind. We're unconfirmed at this stage whether it's possible for Wendigos to take human form. So It's unlikely, but just... Because we know, oh, yes, we know they means, possess voice yes. mimicry, and if <clears throat> if they can do that, well, it's possible they could take form. Which means you might have. Well, how am I supposed to mole. tell? I, shh. You don't need I to didn't tell. I did
1: mole. I well, know I did.
2: I'm just, I'm just warning you. That it's possible. So okay. if. If the worst happens, at least you're prepared. I think you should probably tell Ernest and maybe the tier operatives as well. Yep. yep. Maybe.
1: Is there anything? Mm. All right. I won't disturb anything, but I'll think see if I can think of a way to weed it out if it is. If there is one here. Hmm. Actually. Yeah.
2: And and maybe it just be, be someone aware...
1: that anyone else knows.
2: Uh, there'd be a stranger well, in town too po- possibly unless they've killed the person who they're i don't I don't know if they could that take doesn't sound the likely. Form of... hmm.
1: they're not well, they're it, not it, that it... kind of shapeshifter are they i
2: don't I don't think so no but they can mimic other people's voices so hmm. it's possible but... all right
1: well I'll keep on top of this I'll let you know if I have any suspicions. I won't I won't yep. I won't prod the nest until we've got more backup and a better plan.
2: Cause if there is an imposter, they might lay low unless they think they're about to be found out. So there's also that to keep in mind.
1: Yep. Okay. Alright, puck out. Alistair uh, walks back inside the watchtower. You walk in halfway through the conversation that Darnell and Heath are having
0: all I'm saying is I have two missing men we have to find them that's fine that's my speciality yeah well I'll
1: Heath I can find them but more and more this is of a scale that we weren't expecting this is not a scale that we're prepared for now look I know things back in things back in Whitechapel I know are crazy but this might be the time to reach out to the brothers even to the cousins we're not the only organization out there that does things like this to who all of them are small but there's got to be more backup we can get something of this size this is not look we haven't seen something of this size since the old days since the pre-war days
0: Danielle, i'm I'm dealing with two missing men right now. That's my focus. My focus is not having to call two families in the morning. That's the focus for now. We can have this discussion. Three families, Heath. Three families. I feel like your friend might be having to call someone then. Yeah. We will have this conversation. I want you there once we get back. I hear you. But I don't know... There are people who I can reach out to. Tier is not in a good place right now. I can reach out to Wiki. But other than that... I'm open for suggestions.
1: Darnell steps in close to you and he lowers his voice, trying to exclude Alistair from the conversation. He is not a very big man. He's small and he's very skinny and he's looking up at you. He's almost a head shorter than you. And you can feel the tension in his voice as he says, Heath, I'm here to help, but don't tell me to jump. I'm not gonna jump how high you tell me. I'll find your men, I'll tell you exactly where they are. But don't order me around like I'm one of your pets.
0: If you're not prepared to follow orders, then just stay out on your little bush tracks. I can be more
1: dangerous than what you are facing now. Don't and make I've me killed an three enemy. of them tonight. Watch my back, and you won't have anything to worry about. He turns away and steps out onto the surveillance deck.
2: Uh, so Aubrey, I rolled a seven to hear the conversation Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming I hear I don't really pick up what they're saying but I kind of get the idea through their
1: body language you hear the part about don't tell me to jump and I'm more dangerous than what you're looking at and you hear Heath say something inflammatory (laughs) Uh, make a quick perception check for me
2: um I actually rolled one as Mm -hmm. I walked back in specifically on Darnell okay Uh, and it was an 8 okay Um, which is a low success yeah it's a low success oh uh, can I add paranormal knowledge to that or not Uh, not for this one I
1: don't think this is not really that quite quite that thing okay Um, Darnell switches off that lamp as he walks out the door leaving it darkness Um, and you are about to talk to Heath you're about to ask him what that was all about when you hear a strange sound from outside the door and as you turn and in the deep shadows, the half-life, you see Darnell pull his jacket off and stoop to the ground and there is a strange sound and the figure, the shadow moves and contorts and then suddenly there is a flap of wings And a very large bird takes off from the observation deck, leaving something behind. Heath steps sharply out into the night air and gathers up whatever it was and stuffs it into the backpack left behind. You can tell that he's stuffed the jacket and whatever else was left behind into Darnell's backpack and slings it over his shoulder.
2: Um, Heath, you... Obviously, you see Alistair uh, shocked. And then you, you, you can almost see what is described as relief come over Alistair's face. You are right, Boyle. I am now, yeah. He's, uh... Yeah, I, I was worried he was one of them. So... No, no. But you could've, you
0: could've told me. He's not like them. He's on our side. And he looks out. Heath, you look out over the
1: treetops of the Dead Pines and for a moment in the sliver of moonlight that hangs through the low clouds, you see the beating of powerful, large wings. Heath, what is he?
0: We don't talk about what he is. He goes on all fours. Anyway. Best get going. And he starts walking down the steps. (laughs) Both of you roll perception checks for me quickly.
1: The two of you are extremely on edge. You're extremely aware of your surroundings and you're not the only ones. As you make your way down this track back towards town proper uh, you hear other footsteps and you very quickly pick out another small light maybe even a pen light being used to navigate and Alistair you particularly pick up two sets of feet moving in your direction and then they stop they seem to be equally as aware of you there's maybe a 50 metre difference
2: uh, Alistair's going to use his night vision to see if he can figure out whether these are people or not
1: oh they're, they're certainly people yeah, two Okay, from the outlines and the size you'd expect them to be men young men can I see who I don't know that night too far the, away yeah I think heat vision doesn't give you great details in that instance he going to lean close to you what do you see
2: there's two people over there human definitely uh, young men
1: I guess you hear a voice call out to you from further up the trail if you're not something to be feared sing out now Otherwise, I'll put a hole through you bigger than your fist. Uh, Alistair takes his
2: torch and shines it on his own face. He's like, hello, uh, this is Alistair and Heath from Tier Tyr. We're... Don't be afraid.
1: Who are you? I d- identify yourself. <laughs> the, the torch just flashes up and you see Sherman's face scowling at you. Sherman? Everyone loves to see Sherman. He just starts trekking back down towards you. Yeah, we go to you Washington guys shouldn't be out alone. That's not safe. By the way... Uh, uh, Sherman, Al- you shouldn't be out alone. I'm very capable. Also, I am shepherding Ant. Ant, this is Alistair, uh, Ernest's other friend. Uh, he realizes he doesn't actually know who uh, Heath is. He just holds out hand and goes, Sherman Grimshaw.
0: Uh, Heath eyes him for a second and... Grins at him, shakes his hands. Heath. Told we're all in a bit of a mess here. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that's most hunts.
1: Yep. You're the man in charge? All right. Uh, we're looking for Ernest. We've got some news for him. Well, he's back in the library. All right, let's get moving then. Uh, you can both see that he has a quite large hunting rifle uh, on... a. Uh, Strap over his shoulder. Ernest, what have you been doing in this interval?
0: Uh, Ernest has been trying to to radio through to Sherman, but hasn't been able to get much of a signal. So what he has instead been doing is searching around. Um, are there any particular items I can find? Uh, well, roll. what are you looking for before you do a roll? Um, nails, string, tin can. Um, stuff. There is a utility closet...
1: There is a kitchen. You can find most basic cleaning stuff. You can find... you can find. Oh, there's a little toolbox of, like, maintenance stuff. There's some nails, some screws, a hammer, a saw. Nurse is thinking nail bomb. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could find some... some um, you could find some cans with food in them that you could empty if you wanted to. You could find
0: some plastic bags uh, that you could do stuff with. And we'll have Puck told him about the transformation stuff because uh, yeah. he was pretty iffy on that because he'd heard the same like mythology but he knew it was spotty so he wasn't overly relying on it she had told you and you've noticed that she has stayed in disguise
1: with the wig and the lack of tattoos uh, and she's sort of going around speaking to the little groups of people that have formed um, and she seems to be doing rounds very cheerily it's it's weird almost with the wig she seems to have become a different person Almost altogether, she's changed her voice, the tone in which she speaks, the way she walks. Mm-hmm. It's like she's playing Stronger. a role.
0: Faster, friendlier. So what Urs <laughs> has been doing in this time, once he heard that, is he's been going up and introducing himself to people mm-hmm. and shaking their hand. Okay. Uh, very nice. Make a, a roll for me. Uh, seven. All right. Roll a D100 for me. d one. D100 and a 10, a D10. Yeah. So a percentile roll. Uh,
1: so 60 plus 0. All right. You get through a bit over half of the crowd, you think, introducing yourself in this sort of time, but nothing sparks anything in you
0: yet. Okay. And what he's also going to do is he is going to finally fish out from one of the, the book that he was looking at before, which is The History of the Town. He's going to start going through it to find a floor map of the library.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he's going to open it up and he's going to walk into Heath's office and chuck the map down on his his desk. And he's going to have a little look like around at the different notes because I'm presuming they have a big town map up of stuff. Is there anything on yeah. that that Ernest will we'll find overly interesting? Um, oh, you'd
1: see a full town, a full map of the area. You would notice that there are a few different locations. There's the town itself. There's a few old trails that used to be to settlements and properties that are now disused or abandoned. Uh, you know that there's one or two logging camps still around and uh, You don't know whether they're operating or not. It's hard to tell exactly what is still relevant on this map. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can see that there's one of the mines. You can see that there is um, a section, in fact, of town closer up towards the dam where the, um, the river is that the map says is there that a more modern survey that you had been able to get says is not anymore. Like there's been a landslide and a section of that mountain has slid down into the...
0: Valley below. Okay. And during this time also, he will retrieve his lantern from the injured tier operative who's now, I'm presuming, being patched up. Yes. And he's going to look at it and think to himself, and he's going to look through, yeah, again, one of the cracks in the window out to the, the night town, the town like shrouded in darkness, and he is going to close his eyes and squint them really hard and he's going to open them up again. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to give himself Cheshire's eyes, eyes that are accustomed to the darkness. Um,
1: make a roll for me with um, your paranormal knowledge as sort of the the control you have for your power, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a 12. All right. Um, it takes some finessing and it's not perfect, but you... Manage to sort of do something to your eyes. You don't know what it looks like. It feels odd. It feels like there's a tightness uh, in like the surface of your eyeballs almost. There's a tightness, almost like a dryness mm. to them that is unpleasant Crispy. to you. Um, but the world outside becomes shades. The darkness becomes shades of grey almost. Um, and the light that from the room that you're close to uh, becomes kind of
0: painfully bright around your eyes yeah he looks around the room and squints his eye again blinking a few times until whatever it is goes away
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it's at this point that
1: the door uh, there's a banging on the door and the guards who are there there's two tier operatives stationed at the guards they've made an impromptu sort of peephole through the door um, they open it and Alistair Heath Sherman and Ant squeeze through Ernst
0: pauses for a second I throws his hand in the air like Did you leave Davo? Um yes I, mean, I, I know left I know he Devo likes to be there? left alone but like Davo was out there. But um, he's fine. He's in a lockdown house. Did you just leave
1: him? I did. Yes, but I left him armed and in the bathroom like you said and I boarded up. Look, he's about as safe there as he is here, I think, and we Look, we did just
0: about everything. I'm not... Ernest pulls up a finger, pulls out his radio, clicks on. David, are you playing World of Warcraft?
1: Uh, no. No.
0: Right, talk later. <laughs> Switches it off, and he's going to hug Sherman <laughs> and look at Anthony. Why are you guys out here? Anthony looks uh, paler than before,
1: and he is sort of nervous... And he kind of takes your arm and tries to pull you towards the kitchen uh, where currently there is no one else. Okay. Uh, When he gets you a little bit further away from everyone else and out of earshot, he says, "Uh, Ernest, getting that feeling again. Hmm. Like, Like I did when they were on the move, like that storm coming type of feeling and it's getting stronger, it's getting worse. I don't know if that means that there's more of them here than there was before or if they're physically closer, I don't... I just... I think things are about to go south. No. When the night began after you left, when we heard the howls and you radioed Sherman, it was the same as normal. In, like, the last hour, it's got worse. It's gotten... I think they're doing something. I think they're starting something bad. And I have to get out there. I have to be there, Ernest. Look, I know that this probably doesn't make a lot of sense to you. I know that it's probably not like anything you felt. It's not like anything I've really felt before, but it's like a magnet pulling me. Something is telling me I have to get closer to them. Hmm. I don't know why. And I'm scared, but if you're not going to come with me, I am going to go alone. Look, no, if if God you. wants me dead, I'll get hit by a car.
0: You know? Yeah, well, God could have a twist up twisted up way of wanting you dead. He's got a plan. And well, I'm trying him. to have a plan here, and you... Go- I'll go with you. But I've just had my ear being chewed off for like 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 minutes by people here because i was out there before and we've lost randy he's out there somewhere randy seems uh weirdly
1: capable on his own for some reason i'm not that worried about him which maybe is bad of me
0: he'll probably tunnel out of the floor with wooden spoons in a second
1: it doesn't seem that out of out of character for him
2: yeah so I rolled uh nine for Alistair, so he has kind of saw that happening and heard that conversation um going on, and at this point he kinda of joins in and he says It's Anthony, right? Uh yes. Hi, I'm I'm Alistair. Good to meet you. Yeah, i I'd rather if it wasn't under these circumstances. Uh listen, I heard what you were saying. Can you find them?
1: I think so. Look, I don't really know what it is that's happening in my head. I don't know how much I should trust it, but I think it's happening for a reason. And I'm just going to trust that I'm going to be put where I need to be. And right now, everything in me is telling me that I need to be down in that valley below the town. Okay. Uh, you you don't need to justify it
2: I understand well as a uh, I guess official strategic consultant uh, it's kind of my job to figure out how to get our people back and Mm -hmm. it's my job as Randy's friend to get him back and Heath is very adamant on getting his people back I don't think we have he's not gonna let you go out there he's not gonna get let you go out there alone but he might let you come with us especially if he knows that you're gonna be able to lead us to where we need to get to would would you allow us to come with you because honestly you're gonna have to fight your way out of here if you don't go with us because he's not gonna let anyone leave
1: I'm happy for you guys to come like I think you're all here for a reason too not just me but I know that I have to go whether that's with approval or without so if you want to come, come but I think we need to move fast Um, I'll talk to Heath it is at this moment that you get a call
0: through your radio Morning Star here
1: Heath, Darnell here I think I've found them. There's movement in the valley from all sides.
0: The valley, hold on. Heath pushes into his office, sees a random book on like his map, pushes the book off and looks at his map. He's like, do you have coordinates?
1: Uh, I don't have coordinates exactly, but bottom of the waterfall to the right hand side, there is some kind of a divot, some kind of Fisher Network. There's a lot of jumbled rocks and fallen trees. It seems like they're congregating right down there. It's the deepest point of the valley.
0: Northeast of the tower. Yes. All right, I've got. They're congregating.
1: I don't know if there's congregation, but there's moving, and it's moving not just on our side of the mountain, on the other as well, and coming up the valley.
0: They're coming towards the town.
1: They're coming towards the waterfall. below the dam and some of them are coming through town on the way i don't think they hit the town because they were hunting for us i think they were coming through town and they were taking pot shots as they went
0: to congregate the waterfall i think so is the dam are you sure it's not just to get to the dam
1: i mean if they were going to the dam they would have to scale right the way up otherwise they could go through the town along the road out and around to the dam at the top.
0: Okay, so there's something at the waterfall.
1: Yeah. I'm going to head in closer. But I would suggest you get your men here now. Okay. Done out.
2: The door opens Heath and Alistair walks in. Heath. Mm Mm-hmm. The Wendigos are on the move and uh,
0: I know how we can find them. (laughs) <laughs> like, leans up and points at his radio. like, are you listening in? What? No. Darnell just gave me coordinates, and he beckons you over and points at the map. There are some cutting through town, others coming from this divot here, going to the waterfall. Oh. oh
2: okay, so he's... Fe- yeah, okay, all right. Okay, uh, well, you know that friend of Ernest's? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we met, yep, with Sherman. He has a sense for these things. Uh, and he basically told me exactly what you did. Not where they were going, but he said he could find them and lead us to them. And he said that their activity has increased over the last two hours. Mm-hmm. And he needs to go to them. And I said that we wouldn't let him leave unless we came with him. So I thought that if he, if he could lead us to the Wendigos that we could act as an escort and go with him. But if you already know where they are, well, we don't need him, but he, th- this guy, uh, I only just met the guy, but from what I could tell and from what Ernest told me, I think he's some kind of a, a, a sensitive or a medium or a communicator or somehow he's, he's tapped into these things and he knew their movements long before we did. That's why he and Ernest are here. And um, he's, however it works, he's been called to go to where they're gathering. And I'm worried that if he doesn't come with us, he'll go on his own, and that's not good. So (laughs) you can see Alistair uh, was about to kind of lightly suggest to his boss as a strategist, I think we should bring this guy with him. And he kind of pauses, straightens up, takes a breath. So he's coming with us. And then, like, averts his eyes.
0: (laughs) Heath is going to groan a little as he sits down in his chair, still looking at the map. Stretches back a little bit. Still with like blood from different areas soaking through his shirt. And he rummages in one of his bags and pulls out a little uh, plastic bottle. Opens it up and starts to empty what you you know as his adrenaline pills into his hand. And he uh, empties three or four and puts them in his mouth and swallows them with a glass of water and looks at you. You know the rules around civilians in these situations? Yes. Yep. Yeah. You understand the situation we're in both under team management and in the current situation. Yes. And you want to deliberately go against my will in a situation like this and bring a civilian with us. Yes.
2: Well, two. I think I should come as well.
0: (laughs) Wiki would box me over the ears until I couldn't hear if I suggested something like that. I know. (laughs) Is that your official statement as my advisor yes it is i believe that ernest
2: and anthony are beyond useful assets for this mission and further than that and more importantly i believe that If we don't take responsibility for them, they will become a safety liability to themselves. And as your official advisor, we can't handle
0: both. Sir. Then are you ready to take responsibility for them? Of course not. But I'll do it. Okay. Okay then what we do is we operate core group in the standard tier hunt fashion. We raptor it. But you, a team of your picking, you do not lead the charge. That is, I know you love to do that, but your responsibility is to be with the civilians, with your team, Behind us. You do not lead the charge. You do not do anything. You do not leave them. I understand.
2: I have already asked far more of you than I should have tonight. So it's agreed. All right. Thank you, Heath. I know this goes against everything. uh, But I I think... All of us are here for a purpose. And I think it would be foolhardy of us to assume that we know better. So
0: that's the plan. He was going to like pull himself up from his chair. And so it's the whole thing of when you're out of action, things just start to hurt a lot more. And it's like, mm, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to get fired, I might as well get fired fully. Now, this probation stuff. And he's going to stand up and, like, crack hey, who his knows? back. You might get
2: lucky. We might be able to get them to pin all of this on me.
1: That's not how being a teacher works. Anyway. There is a flurry of movement as Heath and Alistair prepare themselves. Puck has discreetly left the wig and returned her tattoos. She is prepping herself with all sorts of different equipment. She's changing out items that she has tattooed everywhere and all these sort of things, preparing for more of a offensive rescue mission. Uh, Anthony seems to be taking a moment to kind of compose himself alone. Ernest and Sherman are talking tactics. Everyone is preparing as the night is now running into the early hours. You can see that the people in the hall itself have begun to quiet down. Some are sleeping, others are talking quietly. Uh, Alistair walks over to Ernest. He says,
2: hey. Hello. Quick thing. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of responsible for you all, so uh, I expect you to be on your best behaviour. That's scary. (laughs) And then Alistair Alistair reaches into his holster and pulls out his 9mm Flips it in his hand so he's holding it by the barrel and passes it to Ernest. It's like, Here you go. Uh,
0: I don't think I'm going to need it. Ernest takes it and starts waving it around. It's like, Oh, thanks, Dad. Yeah. Like, careful. <laughs> he passes it off to Sherman. He's like, Sherman, you hold that for me. All right. <laughs> I'm not your no,
2: back. No, Ernest, you take it. Take it, Ernest. I'd, I'd feel better if I knew
0: you had a way to defend yourself, even if you don't need to use it. I'd actually like to try something. And uh, he's going to turn to you and says, I'll, you know, I'll work that out. And he's going to reach his arm out to you and touch your shoulder. He's going to touch you. And you're not experienced to this, but this is a similar thing for, audience, for the audience. What happened with Mother before is what just seems like the room just fades away to darkness. Yeah. And you're standing on a, like, a just a flat plane. And Erst kind of branches his arms like, Welcome to your brain. So, just it's like a to lot try emptier something. that I'd hoped. Yeah, don't read into it. It's just something I've been wanting to try since we talked last time. And he's going to start circling around okay. you. And you notice the ground is, it's almost like there's just this really thin layer of water. Every footstep, just these like, um, it's because Very it's stranger things Very stranger things But I'm mostly thinking um, When they go into the bathtub Yeah Yeah um, And you can kind of see yourself reflected in the, the water So You remember how we talked about the gun before? Hmm? Yeah Well when I was in the desert I saw some things Okay Yeah And I heard some things so how about we play just a really quick game of Guess Who because I have my concerns about this gun that you're about to put a lot of your life into the hands of so alright Ajax can you talk to us
1: There is silence. Your voice echoes out a little.
0: Mm. Mr.
1: Stoker. Again, the same echo of silence.
0: Ilios? Nothing. Dylan?
1: The sound reverberates out and then reverberates back in like your own voice echoing back, almost as if it's bounced off something hard. Alistair
2: holds his hand up and feels that slight chill through
1: his right arm. There is a very gentle movement in the water below you and then rising out of it, almost, like you said, it should only be a millimetre deep but rising out of it comes a figure you can see that it's a small man maybe in his late 20s he's sort of unshaven and a bit poorly dressed he's wearing a white shirt with stains around the collar and a skinny tie and a cardigan he looks frumpy and ruffled his hair which is beginning to thin a little is a mess and he's wearing crooked glasses and there is nothing but black where his eyes are. Hello? Tied is BJ Ingate as Alistair Stern and Randy, officer last name not given Chester Lydon is Ernest Marsh and Heath O'Sullivan and myself, Aubrey Lydon, is the is, r the narrator DM, yay me words are good
0: <laughs>
1: uh, if you yay enjoyed you. this show you can check us out on all the forms of social media Uh, You can check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash darktides at Facebook and facebook.com slash darktides pod. We have a Facebook group called the Paranormal Podcast Collective. If you are a podcast creator or a fan of paranormal themed audio dramas, check it out. We always uh, are happy to find new listeners and people who want to share what they are doing with their podcasts with us.
2: You can join the group and post Randy Lives question mark. Hashtag Randy Lives. And we'll know that you came from our show. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, we will see you next week with another episode of Dark Tides. Uh, until then, you can also check out our Patreon where we have a ton of other bonus content, including a sci-fi mini miniseries, uh, Patreon monthly bonuses with Ernest and Alistair having far-flung adventures, all sorts of fun things. Uh, so you can check us out there and support the show if you want to. Well, we will see you next time.